0: for everything that's already happened, and today we're continuing our series about being courageous, being a brave person for Christ, being courageous every day in any way you possibly can through the circumstances of your life. And so today, on Men's Day, we're going to look at a man named Caleb, C-A-L-E-B, and our topic is about a man named Caleb and his God. And God and his man, Caleb. Every man and woman who has a relationship with God belongs to God. So Caleb loved God and knew God. He believed God and he was God's man. And God was Caleb's God. Caleb had courage. He had a lot of courage. He had courage in the pressure cooker of life. How many of you have ever been through the pressure cooker? Raise up your hand. I think almost everybody here. I can still remember, as I've said on other occasions, in the kitchen in my home where I grew up, my mother using the pressure cooker. And I remember seeing it the first time and hearing that noise. What is that, I said. And she said that helps the food to get uh, cooked faster and better. And, of course, always being hungry as a teenager, I was all in favor of that. But in life, the pressure cooker that's around us in our daily life, and our decisions that we make, the way we live, the places we go, the people we know, it puts that pressure, including peer pressure, upon us. And Caleb was a man who was called upon God, along with 11 other people, to be a spy. This is really a spy story in some ways. He's better than James Bond. Stronger than James Bond, greater than, and wiser than James Bond, and he was God's man in the royal service, but in God's royal service. And he's left you and me a strong testimony about being courageous in life. So, in, in the book of Numbers, chapters 13 and 14, I'm going to tell you the story because our time is so limited. Already, I'm behind. So I'm going to be catching up. So let me tell you the story. Here's what happened. God chose Moses to lead God's people, over a million and a half of them. Yeah, let me say that again. A million and a half men, women, and children in a caravan across the desert for 40 years to get to The land that God had promised them. They could have made that journey, according to archaeologists and Bible scholars, in 11 days they could have made that journey across the desert. But because of their unbelief, their doubt, their fear, their lack of courage, their lack of bravery in the face of being tested, they lived in the desert for 40 years Moses himself was not allowed to go into the promised land. But Joshua, his follower, took the people into the promised land. And the way it all started was that Moses appointed 12 men, each one representing a tribe, tribe of Israel. They were to go into the land, the promised land, and they were to spy it out. They were the spies. They went in under cover they looked they saw they heard they took mental notes and the purpose of their spying on the land was that god had promised them you're going to go into that land and you're going to take that land from the godless people who live in it you're not only going to receive a blessing from me because i'm promising it to you but you're going to bring my judgment on a godless people and take what they never give thanks for away from them and it's going to be yours your land, your life, your families, But there was one problem, no courage. They were afraid, so they went out as spies. And when they came back, ten of them started jabbering right away. away. Yeah, the land is good. Yeah, it's fantastic. But there's so many people, they're so mean, they're so big, we feel like grasshoppers against them. We can't do this. We can't go in there, even if God's told us it's too impractical. It won't work. We can't do it. We're too little. Except for two men, Joshua and Caleb. They brought a good report. In the book of Numbers, both of them said, yes, we can. It's going to require something of us. We've got to get our courage and our faith intermixed. We've got to cook it together until the chemistry of bravery comes out. We're going to go in that land because God told us to do it. We're going to believe in each other and come together as one. We're going to fight. We're going to have faith. We're going to do what God tells us. And we're going to claim the promised land, as God said uh, figuratively, flowing with what? Milk and honey. Any of you here like graham crackers and milk? I do. Milk and honey. Milk and honey. No, 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 no. They would hear none of it. And when Joshua and Caleb kept on talking about it, kept on saying, yes, we can, yes, we can, yes, we can. In fact, Caleb, the Bible says, silenced the people in verse 30 of chapter 13. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. And you know what the reaction of the crowd was? They began to talk about stoning him. That was his reward for being faithful. Now, what's he going to do? Is he going to sit down and shut up? Or is he going to be a little courageous, a lot courageous, and say, Look, God's given us direction, God's given us a vision, God's told us what to do. And as far as I'm concerned, We can do it, and we will do it by God's power and God's grace. Caleb had courage, but there was a lot at stake. He could have been killed by his own people. But the way it happened was that God brought judgment on his own people. He said, because of your unbelief and your stubborn heart and your fear, your lack of courage, your lack of bravery, your lack of obedience to me, You're going to wander, and this generation of unbelief and fear is going to die in the desert. And a new generation will be born during this 40-year period. And he made a promise to Caleb through Joshua, because Joshua became the leader after Moses died. Joshua told Caleb, as God directed him, when we get to the promised land, you are going to have a special allotment of land with your name on it. It's going to be your property. You're going to be able to climb that mountain. You're going to get that land that you've been talking about, flowing with milk and honey. You and your family are going to love it. You're going to live on it. It's going to be your land. And Caleb believe that through Joshua's words and blessing to him. But Joshua and Caleb both had to pay the price. By the way, there's a cost for being a disciple. Did you know that? It costs something to be a disciple. It costs something to be a Christian. If you ever hear anybody talking about, oh, become a Christian, everything will be easy. Just mark them off your list. They don't know what they're talking about. It costs something to follow Christ. Yeah, there are tons and tons of blessings and joy and happiness. That's what's put this smile on my face. But I tell you, there's a cost. It costs you something to follow Jesus. And it costs Caleb something to follow God. It costs Joshua something to follow God. What was at stake? Why is this story, this true account, recorded in the Bible? Why is it even here? It doesn't tell a very good Bible all the time because the Bible brings you the true story of what actually happened. The good and the bad, warts and all, it tells how it really happened and it helps us to understand how God works even through our failures and through our problems. But what was at stake? Well, there were a few things that were at stake, just like things are at stake for you in your relationship with God And you maintaining your courage to follow Christ, here's what's at stake. Number one, Caleb was courageous because he knew being obedient to God was at stake. He did not want God to look down at him and say, look at Caleb, he's just like everybody else. He's scared. Or as my baseball coach used to say when I would Raised up from a ground ball because I didn't want to be hit in the face, he said, hey, Brandon, you're scared, aren't you? That was his word for scared. He was just to rub it in. You're scared. I've never forgotten that word. Caleb said, I'm not going to be scared. I'm not going to be scared. I'm not going to be a man of no courage. I'm going to obey God. If God tells us to go in there, there's a reason for it. Not only was that at stake, but the land was at stake. Liberty was at stake. What was their ultimatum? Uh, other choice? They could go back to Egypt, and they wanted to. Let us go back to Egypt and live in slavery. It's better than being out here. But Caleb knew that liberty was at stake, just like in America today. It takes patriots to stand up courageously and fight for righteousness in America to keep the liberties that we have been given by God. Amen. And it's not easy, and it's not going to get any easier. It's going to get harder and tougher in the days ahead. And it's going to cost you and me something to be an American citizen in the days ahead, just like it cost us something to be a Christian. Not only that, there was his family was at risk. Caleb was going to be having his family. He was representing his family. He was leading his family. Caleb was not that kind of guy who said, Okay, yeah, you go ahead. I'll follow you later. i got to do something else right now. I've got some other stuff I've got to do. No. He was out there in the front. He was looking up to God. He was looking ahead. He was saying, Okay, I've got it in here because my God is in here. That's the reason the book of Numbers says that Caleb had a different spirit. That's what it actually says. He had a different spirit. He was different than other men who just claimed to know God. Anybody can claim to know God. Anybody. But it's not in the claim. It's in the behavior. It's in living for God. Not only that, his people were at stake. If this did not happen, the people of Israel would be decimated and destroyed. And God said, for every one of those 40 days that you spies went into the land and came back with that cowardly report that you couldn't do it, for every one of those 40 days, I'm going to cause you to wander in the desert one year per day. Forty years. Forty years. And a new generation was born. The old generation of unbelievers and cowards died out. The new generation led by Moses and Joshua firmed up, got strong, got muscular in their faith. They believed God. They were looking to the future in spite of what was happening in the past. And it was their faith that took them to the promised land. Remember, the promised land is what? It's the land that God promised. The promised land has nothing to do with heaven. Heaven is not the promised land. The promised land is land, dirt, buildings, lives, jobs, economy, family, kids, wives, husbands. That's what the promised land is. It's what you do. It's how you live. It's where you are. It's how you think as you're moving forward to go to heaven. It's not heaven. We're living in the promised land of faith, and we're living on the promises that God gave To every believer, believer, listen to me, God's given you thousands of promises to keep you shored up, strengthened, powerful, unafraid, courageous, so you can bear fruit. Like the old saying says, the fruit's out at the end of the limb, right? you got to get out there on that limb. So God's saying to him, to Caleb, do it to be obedient. Do it for the land. Do it for the liberty. Do it for your family. Do it for the people of Israel. Oh, yeah, there's one other thing that was at stake. The very character of Caleb. How would you like to be out on the desert 40 years, wandering around and knowing every single day, this is happening to me because I just messed up. I just completely didn't believe God. And there's nothing I can do about it. Hmm be hard to get up in those days and say this is the day the lord has made though it was true he did make it but they were living in a different situation except for that new generation and you and i are living in a day when god calls upon us to have courage to live in the land of the free and the home of the brave because we are brave because we have courage for god and for the church for the kingdom of god primarily and we are courageous when it counts. Now, all of us men and all of us women, we can be super courageous when we're sitting in front of the TV watching somebody else go through hell to make a movie and being the hero, fighting everything, winning against all odds. That's so easy, is it not? And then when that's over, you can just flip the channel. Of course, after you have to get yourself a Coke and a cookie. But it's a whole lot different when you're in the office, when you're on the road, when you're giving out that contract, when you're trying to find workers, when you're trying to build a church, when you're calling together yourself and others to pray, to believe, to love, to help, to be a Christian. It's a lot different. And when you're facing those peer pressures of life. And he did not want to be a walking contradiction. I was talking to a guy the other day over at the park where I go to walk and exercise. I try to go every day if I can. But a guy came up to me. I was playing a little ball, and he was a ball player, so we started talking. He was telling me about his faith, and he was giving a pretty good idea to me that he was a believer. But then our conversation started shifting into more personal things, you know, where do you live, and what do you do, and where do you work, and... So it all came out because somehow we just kind of hit it off and we're talking. And he was telling me about his life and his work and his job. And there were things that what I would consider a Christian with a real Christ-like conscience would not be doing. So I was caught right there. Uh, I was thinking, I need to say to this guy, he's probably about 45, I need to call his attention to a glaring inconsistency a glaring contradiction. But then a part of me said, why should I? (laughs) He wanted to talk. He wants to be friendly. He knows I'm a Christian. He knows I'm a pastor. So why mess up the conversation? Let's just have a few laughs and leave. But no, I I couldn't do it. And I said to him something like this. I don't have time to tell you the whole thing, but I just said, listen, I need to tell you something. You're not going to like this, and you probably won't like me, but that's okay. Do you realize that you are a walking contradiction? He said, what? I said, yeah. You've been telling me all about your faith and how big it is and great it is, and yet you just told me two or three times the things you're doing, the kind of work you're doing, the kind of relationships you have, and they're all completely contrary to what a Christian man would do for himself and his wife and family. And he was just kind of taken aback. But you know, the Holy Spirit worked in that few minutes because he kind of hung his head down and he said, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. So he got the message. We ended on a good note. And um, that's what happened to Caleb, except Caleb was saying, I'm not going to be a walking contradiction. I am not. I'm going to be a living testimony for God. And so the Bible tells us what caused that to happen. Why he was a distinguished, distinctive, different kind of a man. Now you're in there, you're there in numbers, and though we didn't read it, I wanted you to see the area so you could mark it. Now, turn over to Joshua chapter 14 and let's conclude our message with Two or three things you need to know quickly about this exciting man named Caleb and why he was so different. In Joshua chapter 14, you'll find right here why Caleb was different. You'll see it. You want to get your pen out, you might want to underline a word that's repeated at least three times. Verse 6, now the people of Judah, Joshua 14 verse 6, Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? For I was 40 years old. This is Caleb talking now. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. Remember, he was one of the 12 spies. And I brought him back a report according to my, to my convictions. You might want to underline that word, my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in what? Fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. That's the word you might want to underline for sure or circle. So on that day Moses swore to me, now then. Just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country. Some translations say this little mountain. Give me this little mountain that the Lord promised me on that day. Promised me on that day. What was that land called? The promised land. The land God promised to me. And the land you promised me through the Lord. And so the Bible says, look at verse 14. So Hebron, well, we're going to look at verse 13. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance, So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. That's what it takes, gentlemen, to be a Christian, a wholehearted Christian. The Bible says, look up with me for a moment. Read this out loud with me in your best outside voice. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk In your truth. And this one. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Fear there means respect, honor, believe, and follow your name. Our heart is the center of our Christian life. In fact, the Bible says, guard your heart. Guard it. For for out of it come the issues of life. Every issue you must decide in the pressure cooker of life comes from your heart. Be like Caleb. Be wholehearted. Give yourself wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly. I want to just tell you something. Being a half-hearted Christian is the most miserable experience you can have. If you give your whole heart, you'll get the blessings. You'll get the power. You'll get the honor of leading your family, of blessing other men and women, of being able to speak and show and demonstrate the joy of the Lord, having vigor and strength in your life when you follow Him wholeheartedly. Now, I'm not saying that as a Christian, even a wholehearted Christian, you won't have problems. You will. You'll have troubles. You'll have health issues. You'll have some fears, but your faith will overcome your fear. Fear will knock on the door, faith will open it, and there'll be no fear there because faith answered the door when you give yourself wholeheartedly to Christ. This is one time I can sadly say, don't be like David, King David, whom the Bible says had a heart after God. But what happened to David? Yes, he had a heart after God. That meant he was pursuing God. He was following God. But what happened to poor David? He committed adultery. He ruined his family. He ruined his nation in some ways. He lived a life that was not bearing fruit for God the way he was intended to bear it. But he still had a heart for God. He learned a sad and tragic lesson. If I were to ask you or tell you by way of encouragement who to model yourself after, who to emulate in the Christian faith, not David necessarily, but Caleb. Caleb wholeheartedly gave his life. He had convictions. He overcame his fear. He had value to his nation, value to himself, value to his friends because he kept on going when others wanted to quit. He had a voice and it's still being heard today because it's come to us through the scripture. And it's like Caleb talking to us right now. Caleb saying, hey, hey, brother, be wholehearted. Be wholehearted. Don't be chicken. Don't be afraid. Get your courage up. Follow Jesus. God will take care of you even if it's hard, even if you do have to suffer, even if you do have to experience hard, tough, difficult things, like I did on that 40-year journey. I didn't deserve to be on that 40-year journey. They did. But I was there because God had me there as a testimony. Mm. That's what God wants, testimonies, to follow Him. So my encouragement to you is to be courageous like Caleb and let God rule your life. And in the pressure cooker of life, live for Jesus. Be a Caleb and follow Christ all the days of your life. Amen. And may God bless the word. I'd like to invite you to join me in prayer. Those of you who are watching by Facebook and those in this audience, men or women, God loves you. He has a purpose for your life. He wants to give you courage for everyday life in the pressure cooker, no matter what, no matter where, no matter when. And you can do that through your faith. And I want to pray for you right now that you will be able to do that. I pray this all the time for myself, that I'll be a courageous man for Jesus. Here's my prayer. If you'd like to repeat it after me silently, please feel free to do so. Dear Father, I want to be courageous. I want to be confident. I want to have a testimony of strength. Lord, I open my heart today anew and wholeheartedly invite Christ not only to be my Savior, but to be my Lord, to be my master. Lord, help me to follow and reap all the blessings and benefits and powers and graces that only you can give to me through my faith. Help me to do it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And may the Lord bless the teaching of his word today in a special and mighty and personal way. And I want to thank our Facebook viewers who joined us for being with us today, and may that same message be a blessing to you as well. And we encourage you to come back next week, and also, if you will, share this message on your Facebook as well.